we're looking to find people who are uh, stuck but have grit and have goals and uh, try to invest in them and help them grow. Welcome to the Quick Talk Podcast with Joshua Latimer, where we discuss business, life, family, faith, struggle, fire, pain, and ultimately winning. It's time to take massive action. Look, I I can't work harder on your life or business than you do. It's ultimately all on you. You know, God created all the food the birds would ever need, but he doesn't put it in their nest. You've got to go get it. Ten out of ten people die. So how about doing something today that actually matters while you still can? Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Quick Talk Podcast. How the heck are you? It's Tuesday. Can you believe it's Tuesday already? I can't. Uh, But I'll tell you something. Uh, I get to talk to two of my my people I look up to, and they're funny and awesome, and they're my friends, uh, about business stuff at a high level. I hope you're ready to put your thinking cap back on. I have Michael Dahlke and Michael Kaplan back. We're going to talk about business models today. And if you missed uh, the previous session I had with them, just to give you a little bit of context, they both run and operate service companies in multiple states. Uh, Michael Kaplan is comes from the carpet cleaning space. Dahlke is more in the window cleaning and also the maid service space. Although, kind of like the architecture of these companies really are all the same and they figured out the game of business at least in this industry in a way that no one else i personally know has they do well over 20 million dollars between both their companies they they got some really cool stuff going on and they're gonna share with us some tips and things that you can do to fix your business and help um are you both on the line is everything cool is our connection okay yes sir all right perfect so i don't want to waste any time i want to talk about business models so to set this up I asked you, Michael, uh, a week or two ago when we talked, what are the three areas where people get stuck or what's the root cause of the reason why people get stuck? And you said leadership, business model, and money and finance. So we're going to have you know three different sessions uh, that we put out as a podcast. We already talked about leadership and mindset a little bit. And then now we're going to talk about business model. Uh, kick us off with what the heck are you talking about? What does that mean? <laughs> what have you seen out there working with small businesses regarding business model? Absolutely. So from a, at a basic level, what I've seen most of the time when I bring up a business model, I say, what's your business model? It sounds something like, well, we get customers and then we clean the windows and then we deposit a check and then we pay our bills and then we have some left over. We hope. Um, and that's not really a business model. That's just what happens. That's, um, I, Kaplan has a line about uh, my business 100% systematized. It's just we have no system. Um, so the, the concept of a business model is having a process where you have uh, cheese on the end of the mousetrap. When the mouse takes the cheese, the thing comes down and it snaps, and you have a predictable way of making sure that mousetrap closes every time. So in window cleaning, it's really, really simple. From I, I can give you the expense profile, the expense model we try to have. So we try to spend 40% or less on cost of goods sold. So our labor, our supplies, the things that go into cleaning that job, 40% or less. If you're spending more than 40, you take a look at that. See if you can bring that down somehow. If you're From there, we try to spend 10% or less on fixed and operational expenses, our insurance, our utilities, those type of things. So 40% on cost of goods sold, 10% on operational expenses. We try to spend 10% or less on our administrative staff, so the people who are answering the phone and doing those sort of things. And then lastly, depending on how hard we're trying to grow, 
anywhere from 10 to 25% in marketing. So that's where we're trying to be from an expense standpoint, from a very basic model. And when I explain that to a lot of business owners in the window cleaning industry, they say, I have no idea what I spend as a percentage of my revenue. And if I'm looking at the cost per job of going out there, how do I, if I don't know what I spend per job, how can I say a $100 job is profitable or a $400 job is profitable? It's really hard to know if you should raise your minimum. Our minimum we started at Blue Skies was 60 bucks, and we said, there's no way we can do it for 60 bucks. And then we went up to 100 And then we said, well, we can do 100 inside this geographical area. But outside this geographical area, we need to charge a $25 chip charge and then a $50 chip charge because we can't do it profitably if we were to go out and do it. So we started to understand the expenses. So if you're out there and you're in the window cleaning business, there's a, just a basic model you can look at from expenses. And on the revenue side, you need to know how to push a button and generate a job. So if that button is a media ad on the radio, if it's Google AdWords, if it's SEO, if it's uh, Facebook, if it's referral marketing, if it's SendGin, no matter what it is, you got to be able to push a button and say, Ooh, I pushed that button and it got me a job. I pushed that button and then you just keep pushing it. So having a model on the expense side and then having a model on the revenue side where you have some things that work and investing and continuously working on them, I think is really, really important. Yeah. Wow. That that was a lot of, I want to recap a couple things. I, I call it creating a lever. Like you need, and it could be really simple stuff. Like technically you could create a le- lever out of door knocking if you can scale it and build a team and there's a strategy behind it. Like if you put a dollar in the top, pull the lever and $5 fall out the bottom, like that's a lever, right? And th- is that more or less what you're talking about on the revenue side? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and then on the business model side, I, I took notes kind of af- as you were wrapping it up, but we got 40% for COGS, cost of goods sold. And that includes your labor and then any type of materials used on the job site to complete the service or deliver the end deliverable, right? So like the soap, the razor blade you use for the window or the chemicals on the carpet and the labor and the gas to get to that job, like that's COGS, correct, more or less? Yep, more or less. Okay, and then 10%, did you say for fixed expenses, things like your internet, your insurance, your building lease, things like that? Yeah, operation. Things operation. that you have to have that aren't going out there, that aren't your admin team and selling, right. but all that other stuff that you have to have to run your business. And then the admin, I call them non-revenue. I <laughs> Jokingly, I call the admin side of our business, I used to call them the dead weight employees, which was not mean. It was like a joke. It just meant that they were non-revenue producing employees that are still essential to make sure your business works. Is, is that what you mean by 10% also for admin? Yep, absolutely. Okay, cool. And then marketing here, and you're, you're totally right. Like, and I'll go to you, Kaplan. Like, a lot of the little businesses uh, I work with, they don't spend even remotely close to enough on marketing. And it, the real reason is because they don't have a cost structure figured out at all. It's super scary. They haven't built a lever yet. They don't understand they're going to have to light a few dollars on fire in the effort to create the lever in the first place. But it's just a mess up with numbers. A lot of these guys, uh, Michael, are. They start their tiny business out, they hire a guy to work with them, and they split the revenue with them, like, or they hire subcontractors and pay them 65% of the job, and then they can't build a model. What's your view on this whole business model thing, and what do you have to add? Boy, there, there's a, uh, we could do a couple podcasts. I don't know how much time we have, but um, when it comes to uh, advertising and media and growth opportunity, you got to you have to spend and you have to invest and it's not always dollars. You can, you can, there's a whole number of models out there where you can get customers and then pay for them. 
um, be it uh, a Groupon or a door knocking or um, uh, a model I'll walk you through in just a minute. But um, just hoping that the, the phone will ring, uh, you kind of get what you get. And we all know that, that it doesn't get you a lot. You've got to invest your time, invest your money. When we started out, um, uh, I bought a, a broken carpet cleaning company in Minneapolis with some partners, and we inherited a line item on our budget, spending about 3000 bucks a month in media. Um, and it kind of worked, kind of didn't work. We spent some time with it. Um, and then the recession hits in 08. We went to all of our vendors and we said, well, crap, uh, we're buying all this radio, not a lot, but we're buying this radio. And we understand that you have extra capacity. You're not selling all of the spots because I don't know if you remember the financial crisis, oh, but yeah. all, all of the advertisers backed out. Relay backs out, uh, Ford backs out, Chevy backs out. There's all this extra inventory. And we said, well, wait a minute. We, we need to grow. And we, the only reason we say we have a budget is because the money is not working. What if we formed a partnership? What if we said, you've got tons of things, tons of opportunity to sell our product. We've got tons of capacity to fulfill the orders. What if we paid you when it worked? And we kind of flipped the media buying model on its head and went to a pay for performance program where they took extra capacity at these radio stations and they said, all right, well, we get paid when it works for zero res. We've got all this unsold inventory. I like to say the unsold seat flies with the plane. Let's put a butt in the seat and hope they buy a cocktail. Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so we, we flipped that model on its head and we took that $3,000 a month uh, program and saw results, saw results. And then we were able to take those results and say, hey, what if we actually put some purposeful money to work in radio rather than getting the extra capacity that may run at midnight or 2 a.m. And we know we're getting uh, ABC results. Could we get ABC plus five, ABC plus 10, if we started to structure the program and proactively put money? Um, not to scare anybody, but we spend in six states, we spend over three million bucks a year, mostly on radio. Um, we, do a, we do the same model with bundled mailers. So you're thinking ValPak, Money Mailer, uh, et cetera, they, the incremental cost for them to slide one more card in the deck that they're already sending out ain't much. Could you form a partnership in your business by uh, sliding your card in, covering their printing costs, and giving them a bounty for every job you get? Right. Then you're, you're, that type you're, of money. Well, I, I don't want to interrupt. I'm just, I have a couple questions. Number one, I've, I'm totally fascinated by the radio thing because for years I always tell people, I'm like, like, it's not like you're going to do an ad on the radio. That'll never work, right? Because that was one of my biggest disasters ever. But it just goes to show you that, like, if you if you go deep on something and figure it out and make the machine work, any of these channels, like, they're all valid if you go deep enough. What I see people do is they dabble, Michael. They they sponsor a t-ball team and think it will save their day and build their business. Or they, they do, like, an EDDM mailer once or twice, and then they get depressed. Like, you worked on this and went deep on it, and then – it. The, what you're describing, yeah, go do do that, and then I have a follow up comment. Well, think about okay. So you're talking about the T-ball team. It's no different than oh, I joined the chamber of commerce. Right. Well, did you go to the meetings? Yeah, I, I went to a couple of meetings. Well, did you talk to anybody? No, not really. Well, <laughs> no, no kidding, it didn't work. If you're gonna do it, say you say you want to spend two hundred bucks and put your name on T-ball jerseys. 
you're at every game. You've got your truck there. You've got your crew there. You're sponsoring the picnic. Dive deep. You will get jobs and you will get an ROI. If you're going to join the Chamber of Commerce or a BNI group or whatever, make it your job to make that work. Invest in it. Go into the Chamber of Commerce uh, meeting and say, these are the four people I'm going to target. I'm going to talk to. I'm going to develop relationships. I'm going to buy the drinks afterward. And you're going to see an ROI from it. But you you can't half-ass it. If, if you don't put your back into it, it's not just going to uh, work on its own. Yeah, that is so good. Are, are you a fan, by chance, of Jay Abraham? I I would love to say I know who Jay Abraham oh, is. Well, he's one of the highest-paid business consultants in the world, and he's just kind of been out there. But he he's really, really creative and clever with like what you described, how you, you negotiated this super outside-of-the-box deal with the radio station that was mutually beneficial but also saved you cash flow until the deal was made, which is like the equivalent of hiring commission-only salespeople. Super, super smart. But he, he always told this story about this cruise ship. Like when Carnival Cruise Line started, I, I'm going to mess up the details. But you guys need to all Google this story. It's like he couldn't fill up spots in the boat, right? So instead what he did is he like, he only had enough money to paint half of the boat, by the way. Like they painted one half just to face the side that faced the shore <laughs> where people could see it. But then he gave away all of his, his empty rooms to radio stations and news and like uh, magazines or something and said, you can use these for free. Well, then... They, they would fill up the boat and make money on the drinks. And there's more to it than that. But, like, it's that creative outside-of-the-box thinking or the powers. And then, of course, going deep on it. But sorry to interrupt. Please continue. Oh, yeah. No, that I, I love that, uh, that uh, couple of talking points. And, you know, um, if, you, if you think about the way people, media vendors, the way they like to sell, their job traditionally is to sell you as little media for as much money as possible. And your job as a buyer or consumer of media is to buy as much media for as little money as possible, right? It's a very combative relationship. Read the book, Delivering Happiness, uh, written by uh, the uh, Tony Shea, who uh, founded Zappos and sold it uh, to Amazon for uh, a billion plus dollars. Um, they, they turned the shoe business upside down because they said, hey, let's stop fighting with the manufacturers of shoes. Let's open up our books. Let's show them our margin. Let's work together to create a unique experience for buying footwear and partner. And they stopped being uh, combative and became collaborative. And they reinvented how we buy shoes. Now, it, it's not that day one by partnering with someone, you're, you're going to change your world. But if you start to systematize that and introduce a new methodology for uh, how you consume media and how you buy media and you start working with vendors and create these win-wins, they're going to become your biggest advocates, your promoters, people out there trying to get you more jobs because they get more commission from it. Mm, I I just love it. I think this is such a... It's just a new way of thinking. Like the world we live in with home service businesses, the forums that exist, the groups that are there, it's so like it's stagnant a little bit like with ideas. And, you know, it's like you just got to hustle and grind. You just got to work harder. You just got to when really the reality is, is like 
you can't just build your business with your back. You guys, you need to push pause. You need to take a three-day weekend. Like, you need to get creative. You need to collaborate. You need creative uh, partnerships. You need to be the guy in your community that does the stuff. If you're going to be the chamber person, be the leader of it. Like, become the president of it. Like, be the most charismatic, excited, charismatic leader of your – like, I don't know, like – just what you're saying is awesome, and I'm 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 hoping it's getting into the brain of the people. Um, but I don't want to sidetrack the conversation. So you know, back to you, Dalkey. Uh, business model. So assuming someone knows their numbers, uh, maybe they're not perfect, but they got a grasp on them. Now they want to scale. Uh, how does a business model affect your ability to scale, or where do you want to take the conversation, kind of from here, in a way that will help our listeners? Yeah, so the first thing I'd say is I want to just jump on Cap- something Kaplan said that I think is valuable, and that kind of goes with what you were just saying, and that is early on, I hadn't bought any media, hadn't done much. We had done a little bit of stuff here and there, and we were at like the 100, call it 160,000 range, and I had been having lunch with Kaplan regularly, and so you got to buy my media, you got to have my media. I remember signing my first contract, and it was thirty-five dollars or $40,000. And being scared out of my mind, and I called Kaplan and said, well, I did it. I bought some media. And he said, well, you've solved the chicken or the egg problem. The chicken or the egg is, am I going to invest in growth first and then build the infrastructure? Or am I going to build the infrastructure and then invest in growth? And you've proven that you're going to invest in growth first and you've solved the problem. You no longer have to think about that. Now get ready for the infrastructure. And that's exactly what happened is we spent a whole bunch on media and we just backfield infrastructure as fast as we can, people answer the phones, do those type of things. So the model that we were believing in was that if we invested this amount of money, we would get something in the on the other side. The problem was we needed that money. Once we figured out that, okay, if we push this button, we can buy a job on this radio station by saying these things for somewhere between $57 and $85 per time we do it, depending on the time of year, then all we have to do is find out how to get more money into the system. So we had to go and say, well, let's, do we take that out of retained earnings? Do we take that out of some other place? How do we invest into these different ideas and different strategies to grow this thing? So what I really would want people to know is once you've got your model, it's really about just how much you can push through it. And sometimes it's scary and sometimes it's tough to say, I'm going to spend 40000 I didn't have 40000 I was doing a lot of it. I'm just betting that it was going to work. But we invested that money in. And if you've got the capital to invest in, you've got the model, business becomes a whole lot simpler on the other side. It's not that lever you talked about, about putting money in and shooting out $5 up the other. Oh, man, that is so gold. Gold. This very morning, guys, I was talking to a small business who's been stuck, who's a perfectionist. <laughs> I'm trying to help them. And He's obsessed with trying to visualize and perfectly understand the infrastructure and the capacity and everybody has to be perfectly trained in everything. And then in some mythical future date, whenever he has this per- perfect you know, uh, view of what it's supposed to be like, then he'll go market really hard. And I told him straight up, I'm like, listen to me. Your job is to create so much sales momentum for yourself that you're redlining, panicking, and starting to hyperventilate because there's no room to schedule people. Your team is getting pushed. And in the midst of that chaos, 
we work on the infrastructure and tighten all that stuff up. I Tell me if you agree, but I, I view it like a teeter-totter. I mean, you have the people side of the business and you have the deal flow side of the business. So you get deals, you're, you're living there, you're hitting it hard, you create massive momentum, which causes all kinds of pressure and cracks over on the, on the personnel side. So then you hop over to the other side of the teeter-totter, deal with that, duct tape it, glue it. Like, And we're not talking about having bad quality. I'm just saying it has to start with turning on the spigot of sales, right? And then, yes, you, you're going to rally your team. You're going to figure it out. You're going to make the schedule work. You'll find a way to get the equipment. And the money that you invested is going to come back to you with friends, right? Is that how it works? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, the, the funny part about telling that story is you remind me of the first time that I met Kaplan. I, I don't know if you remember this, Kaplan, but we were at that in Roseville, Minnesota, and I walked into their office, and they were doing a pretty big number, and they were really doing some stuff. First time I'd ever been to their office. I had met them once before. I walk in, and Kaplan's desk is right next to the sink in the kitchen of this place, and he's on his laptop doing it. And in the kitchen, they've got TVs on the wall for their routing department, and they had literally outgrown their office. They Kaplan was literally... You know, could have washed his hands and typed on his computer at the same time. <laughs> it, it was unbelievable. And I remember thinking, what's going on here? And it kind of smelled because the rug room was connected right to the doorway and people were walking in and out. And I remember thinking, what the heck is going on? And then he said, hey, we've been doubling every year and the media keeps working and we're going to keep buying. And I, the biggest problem I have isn't about where I'm going to sit. The biggest problem I'm going to have is getting more technicians and things like that. So to your point, Josh, I think that's really, really, um, you know, if I think back to when I first met him and everyone that meets him knows he's really smart. Uh, it was funny to almost, it was really funny to watch him washing his hands and typing on his computer at the same time. <laughs> I've had the same experience. Uh, another big mistake people make is they try to have the appearance of success rather than ha- actually having success which I've struggled with early. It's like it's like you want to look like you're crushing it. If you look at a lot of the small companies online and Facebook and stuff, they have these like insane wraps with the perfect vehicle that's perfectly clean with all this stuff and they get the perfect light. It's almost like they're taking selfies with their equipment so that they appear like they're crushing it. But the people I meet that are actually crushing it are sitting on broken chairs in little offices and every dollar is being pushed back into scale. They're, they're thinking long-term. They're doing all this stuff that's not as sexy but they're the ones who are multimillionaires who are building huge legacies and stuff. I mean, have you seen that to be true? I'm not trying to beat someone up out there. I'm just trying to help them understand, like, don't try to look successful. Try to actually be be successful. What, what do you guys think about that? Well, we, at, at the time in Roseville, Minnesota, we didn't have a customer-facing office. So let, let's go down and dirty and cheap because our four walls don't make us money. Our vehicles make us money and our people make us money. So let's Let's go out and try and drive as many jobs so that we can hire as many cleaners who can run as many trucks as possible. And that that broken warehouse uh, was a sublease. We uh, uh, were paying a third party to rent uh, about half of it um, because they they were a a Comcast subcontractor and they lost their contract and they had left town. So we we got this 12,000 foot space. We leased 6,000 feet of it and we used 12,000 feet of it. Um, great deal, but we moved in and we were doing about two and a half million. When we left, we were doing about 8 million, uh, two years later. So we scaled the heck out of it. And by the way, the Comcast subcontractor came back in town with about a year left on our lease. And so we went from 
12,000 feet back down to about 9,000 feet. What I wanted to ask you, and really my point was, it wasn't saying that you shouldn't have a nice truck, but let's talk about distributions. Okay. You're doing $8 million in revenue. I know you reinvest a large percentage of, of, you know, cash flow back into scale, but people don't do that. Like, and it's personal preference, not like a law, like you have to do it, but how did you guys battle? I don't know, or maybe you didn't, but everybody else seems to wanting to just write yourself a big fat distribution check and go buy a bass boat and six jet skis in that second home. How do you delay that gratification? Um, while you, I mean, the business is processing a lot of money. You can dip in, you can choke it out. Like you can, you can scrape off some, a lot of that for you with those types of numbers. It's insane. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that? I'll, I'll start. And I'm sure, uh, Dalkey will make uh, me sound pretty stupid with his, uh, follow-up, but, uh, money in a business is like food for a baby. Ain't going to grow if you don't have it. Right. So you can, you can buy the bass boat, but then you're stuck with all the systems you have and your business pro- doesn't scale as well. Live on ramen, go cheap, down and dirty, and grow the business. Figure out what it is. Give it room to, to grow and room to run uh, before you start uh, living like you already made it. Unless, you know, you're happy where you are, uh, in which case, you know, you, you'll continue to get what you get. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Donkey? Well, I think that when we were driving up to Michigan in the back of that van to your private event that you did for the Super Summer or whatever you called it. Automate or sell experience. The automate or sell experience. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> when, when we were riding in the back of the van and we had got off the plane, got in that van, and there was other people in there, I would be willing to bet that they thought there was a higher likelihood of Kaplan and I being homeless than us running $20 million businesses. <laughs> neither one of us, I mean, Kaplan got his beard thing going and I probably hadn't shaved and neither one of us spent a lot on clothes or things like that. At your event, Kaplan, you know, won a free hat and he wore it all weekend and I'm so excited about his free hat. I, I think that uh, there's, there's, there's things that I want and things that I do in personally, but the biggest fear I had when I was ramping up the business and I could have took a much bigger paycheck out of it, but was keeping it low was that if I didn't reinvest back in the business, I was going to be in the same spot a year from now that I was the year prior. So I was just going to keep being in the same spot and I was never going to get to that point where the business provided me with freedom of money, freedom of relationships, freedom of purpose and freedom of time. And that's really what I wanted. And I couldn't get there unless I could fire myself completely out of the business. And it took seven years, but reinvesting that back in and building the leadership team and those things were really a function of trying to get more freedom and investing in a way to get more freedom. And I was willing to delay that. And it helps to you know, not buy a new pair of jeans in like three years. And I have almost no money invested into clothes and things like that. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Probably no. more likely to be homeless than running a big business. Well, it's just a mindset shift, you know. I mean, I, this is like a philosophical discussion, but you know, people that don't have a lot 
focus a lot on appearances sometimes, you know, like the really nice shoes and the thing. And But people that are, you know, folk, driven by business and results, and neither one of you guys are money motivated. I just know your hearts. Like, it's a game. Like, you want to win the game. And it's interesting to you to tweak something and watch the model work different. And I'm like that, too. Like, money is a way to keep score of, like, how much value you're providing to the world. Like, it's a natural byproduct of value. That's how I view it. So, like, you're going to make money if your behaviors are adding value and doing things the right way. But... You know, I want to. I want to kind of summarize and wrap up this second interview. I'm so thankful for both of your time. Like, if people don't have a business model that they understand right now, can each of you? We'll start with you, Kaplan. Give us like a a snippet, like a 60 second snippet on like what do they do to begin? Maybe understanding their model or. Uh, what do they change in it? What would be the first kind of steps if you're working with that small half a million dollar business and they're stuck? What advice do you have to give them? Uh, go ahead. I think you you really, you know, you talked about taking the three-day weekend and taking out your crayons and construction paper and starting to make some lists. I think do that introspection and really think about what it is you're trying to get out of your business. Why do you have a business? Having a job is so much uh, easier and cheaper if all you're going to do is maintain. If you want to grow, if you want to uh, create wealth instead of income, uh, do it on purpose and uh, step back, figure out what it is you want, and then bring people into your life that can help you achieve it, be it finding a mentor, working with SCORE, working with people who've done it before, or, uh, you know, Dalkey and I are, are working with small businesses. So uh, quick plug for us. Uh, we're looking to find people who are uh, stuck but have grit and have goals and uh, try to invest in them and help them grow. Awesome. That was so good. I'm going to make that the, the intro at the beginning that I play before the music, just so people are like, oh, I, I have to hear more. That was awesome. Okay. Donkey, what do you think? Do you have, do you have theme music in mind? <laughs> Afro man rap. Afro That's what man. I was going to go with. <laughs> <laughs> what no, do you think? I remember now. It's because I got high. Because I got high. Because I, I remember it now. I remember the song. Is that the song? Oh, yeah. I know that yeah. song. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'm gonna e- I'll email you the song. That <laughs> <laughs> well, Dalkey, what do you think? What's your 60-second blurb of pointing advice to the little guy fighting the good fight regarding no, business model gotta, or whatever? Yeah, I think it's similar to what Kaplan said. you got to find someone you can beat it up with. Kaplan and I um, consistently talk on the phone and beat up business models, and we call it beat it up because neither one of us have a – have a belief that we're right or the other one's wrong. We just come and say, Hey, what if we took the insurance agent model to windows? What would that look like? Or what if we took the franchise model and flipped it around? What if we did this? And what if we did that? And we have open debates and arguments around why that's not good or why that is good or what could be done better. So if you can find someone who you can go to and say, Hey, tell me about your business model. Even if they're an insurance agent, a real estate agent, a factory owner, um, you know, whatever they are, but someone who you can go and say, I'm thinking about this. Tell me what you think about that and beat it up with them, debate it, argue about it, and then come to the best solution you possibly can. Oh, that's awesome. And to round things out here on their second session, I just want to let everybody know that the reason I had Michael and Michael come on this show is because of some private conversations I had with Mr. Dalkey about things that they're, they're doing in their world. 
that I thought was really interesting. And they have some limited availability to potentially help some of the listeners of the podcast. And you need to, I'm going to give you the website you can go to. It's redhookinvestments.com. I don't get anything from this. Bringing them on the show is my idea. Uh, They're not looking to do 10,000 deals and have some like slick thing. Like this is just these two guys who are running huge service companies all over the country, multiple states. And you have the chance to have a conversation with them to talk about things like your business model. If you are a hungry person who has integrity and grit but is stuck, uh, I want to encourage you to just talk to them, have a conversation. They're not doing weird business consulting. You pay them a bunch of money and they just tell you some things to do and wish you luck. Like the deals that they do do, which are limited in scope, are where they are become a partner with you. They invest and get a minority stake in your business. They work with you. They coach you through and actually hold your hand and walk you through the steps and tweaks you need to make, which, honest to God, is like an incredible opportunity for whoever, <laughs> however many deals you guys do this year, these people are going to be very fortunate individuals. So I just want to be like totally transparent on what this is. I mean, we're all just friends. I thought the podcast would be a great platform. Plus, anytime I can get you guys on to talk about business, it's super valuable. So go to redhookinvestments.com. Mr. Kaplan, Mr. Dalkey, I will talk to you when we do the third session. I appreciate your time very much. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Hey, thanks for hanging out, friends. And from all of us here at the Quick Talk Podcast team, we hope you love today's show. We hope that you were inspired to become a doer and not just a listener. Apply what you've heard today in your own business and watch things change for the better. Lastly, remember that all the money in the world can't save your soul. Seek first the kingdom of God, my friends. We'll see you next time. For more information about the Quick Talk Podcast or Joshua's other businesses, visit our website, quicktalkpodcast.com. Have a blessed day.